0: Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode nine. Flippin' heck, episode nine already. Gosh, I'm really, really grateful for you as always for tuning in downloading, subscribing, pressing play, whatever you've done to get to this point. I'd be really grateful, if you like what you're listening to, to share it with your friends, share it online, go down the pub and share it, Uh, ring people up and say, hello, we've got this great podcast that I've heard, have a listen to it, Uh, share it in person, send people a letter, Uh, send people a telegram, share it however you possibly can. And if you can go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic. You can also give us a full review if you'd like to. And as I've said before, it'd be great to hear from you to find out what you're enjoying about the podcast, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of, and any feedback or, or commentary you've got on anything we do would be fab. We're on Twitter, which is at Sharp Podcast. Of course, you can go to the website, which is www.sharppodcast.com. And now we're on Facebook. How Thoroughly Modern. Uh, Yeah, we're on Facebook, so that's uh, Facebook at Sharp Podcast. So it'd be really great to hear from you. So last time, I got set a bit of a challenge in my conversation with Mel Elliott around delivering some me time. So for those of you who haven't heard the episode, um, why not? Could you please go back and listen to the episode? But if you haven't heard the episode, essentially in the conversation, what we were saying is there's loads of stuff that Mel does, as I know you will do, for getting things done in your day to then ensure that you've got a bit of time where you're not spending, you know, 24 hours working. The conversation we had was around that time that you get outside of doing the day job, how much of that time is devoted to either practically or or emotionally looking after others, whether it's kids, family, friends, you know, spending time focused on other people, and how much of that time is spent focused on yourself. Now, in Mel's case, she wanted to dedicate some time to reading a book which would enable her to learn the piano and to dedicate 45 minutes a day. And we were talking about why is that such a difficult thing to do? Because, you know, she will never fail to be there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to pick up a daughter from school. So, you know, clearly there is the capacity to be able to plan things in. And it's the same for all of us. You know, there's things that we will always do. There'll be meetings that we'll get to on time. There'll be deadlines that we absolutely don't miss. But what's quite interesting is why we're able to do that. But sometimes, when it comes to doing stuff for ourselves, it's not quite so easy to do. And I wondered if it was, you know, is it maybe we feel, for want of a better word, a bit guilty about doing it? Um, We feel it's not appropriate, it's not as important. Downtime could be anything. It could be, you know, working on a hobby. It could be going for a walk. Um, Anything that helps you disconnect from the stuff that feels urgent to focus on what is actually important. And obviously, that is kind of the point of this podcast, really, to equip us to get better at what we have to do, to then spend more time doing what we want to do. But it's not just about having the time, is it? Because it's then about deciding what you want to do with that time. If you spend much of that time giving to friends and family, how do you decide to spend a bit of it on you? Remember that when we talked about habits, we said that behaviour change requires three things, a trigger, ability and motivation. So this week we're going to look at motivation, why we should dedicate time to ourselves and we're going to look at some podcast resource that can help you find out a bit more about that. Why should we treat it as important? Why should we treat it as important as being on time for that meeting at work or hitting that deadline? In fact, arguably, why should we treat it as more important? I mentioned before this, um, you know, the oxygen mask on airlines with the, the instruction to attach yours first before anyone that you're responsible for. Now as I'm sure you know, the oxygen mask on a plane drop when the cabin pressure drops below a certain level. What you might not know is, that, according to Airbus, if a plane loses pressure at 40,000 feet, if you're on board, you've got as little as 18 seconds of useful consciousness without that additional oxygen. And if you don't take the oxygen, first euphoria kicks in, then hypoxia sends you unconscious and can ultimately lead to brain damage and death. So... Cheery stuff, and all good reasons why we should attach the mask to ourselves first, because you've not got long before you pass out. City Island, November 5-3, Oscar Whiskey Lima with you at 4 miles. November 5-3, Oscar Whiskey Lima, clear to land. Wind 280 degrees at 3 knots. Clear to land, City Island. Control difficulty... Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. November 5-3. Oscar Whiskey. Scary stuff, I'm sure, and apparently a very rare situation on a plane. But if you scale down the stress levels, maybe the equivalent is not so rare in everyday life. After all, whilst we may not all have kids, or be in an extreme stress situation like, uh, you know, on a plane... We do all have people in our lives that we have a relationship with and those relationships can be fulfilling, enjoyable and fun and they can also be stressful and they can be demanding and challenging and sometimes just hard work. Now if you do a job where you lift heavy things then you need the food, the fuel to generate the energy to lift those heavy things. If you do a job where you teach people complicated stuff you need to know the complicated stuff to teach it to others. If you've got to take some money out of the bank, you've got to have the money to take out. Now clearly, those things are statements of the obvious. This podcast is nothing if not advanced common sense. Obviously though, we wouldn't last very long lifting heavy things if we didn't eat. Our credibility to teach others wouldn't last if we didn't learn the facts first. And as for the bank, well, you might have an overdraft limit, but eventually there is a limit. Well, it seems to me that the same logic applies to any relationship where you give something. You might give time. You might give attention. You might give encouragement. To do that in a meaningful way needs the reserves in the bank, or it won't last for long. But yet for some of us, focusing on spending time on us, on getting better, on repairing ourselves or building up our reserves, for some people, feels selfish. Now this reminded me of some work done by a chap called Jonathan Fields. Jonathan, runs a program called The Good Life Project, and you should check it out. It's really well worth looking at. His project uses podcasts, videos, the written word, and he talks with a wide range of movers and shakers, you know, creative people, successful people. And he shares the experience of hundreds of these people about what helps them make a good life. I'll put some links to his work in the show notes. Now, according to Jonathan, he suggests that life can be divided into three buckets. You've got the connection bucket, the contribution bucket, and the vitality bucket. Now, I first came across Jonathan's work on one of my favorite podcasts, The One You Feed. Here's Jonathan himself explaining about the buckets. ...talk about as much that I think are really valuable. You've got a very simple framework or concept that underlines this, uh, that you call the three good life buckets. So why don't you share what those are?
1: Yeah. And, and the idea here was, it's all about simplification. So I I wanted to create a framework, something that would guide your behavior where you hear it once you remember it for life and it, it can actually guide your behavior. It's actionable. And, and working just over a period of years, this idea of, of three buckets came to me. So imagine your life is three buckets. One is, we'll call it connection. One we'll call vitality and one we'll call contribution. Your connection bucket is fundamentally about um, your relationships. It's what Jonathan Haidt called the in between, you know, and mm-hmm. it's relationship with yourself, with intimate others, close friends and family, with if you if you consider it important some definition of source or God or something bigger than just you, and also with a like-minded community, with a you know a sense of belonging. Your vitality bucket is about optimizing your state of mind and your state of body. And, and I talk about those in the same breath because in in my mind, it's a complete fiction to try and separate them. And then your contribution bucket is really about how you bring the deepest parts of yourself to the world. A lot of people would call that your work um, on the planet. I, I hesitate with that label only because most people associate work with the thing you get paid for. Mm-hmm. And for some people, their greatest contribution is the thing they get paid for. But for others, it's not. And, and I think that's, that's okay, actually.
0: Now, all three of those buckets, um, they're joined up to each other. They're, they're, they're interconnected. They have a relationship with each other. And the vitality bucket, to me, seems to be the one The wand? seems to be the one that um, comes to mind in terms of feeding the others. If you go back to what we were talking about earlier on in terms of building up your reserves to help others, clearly the vitality bucket can directly impact your ability to build relationships and contribute. If we take Mel's situation that she described in episode 8, we can be really focused and structured about how we manage our time to deliver on the day job and then equally structured to... You know, make sure that we get time and space for friends and family. But if we don't achieve time for ourselves to repair, to rebuild or grow, then potentially we could end up failing to deliver on all the other aspects. Back to that example again, you know, oxygen mask on yourself first before others. So practically then, how do we do that? How do we treat me time as a priority? Well, it seems to me that if we accept with the habits we need to do three things one of the things that we need to be motivated to do it. Now, the things we could do in that me time are obviously limitless. You know, you could jump out of a plane. You could jump out of a plane with a parachute on. You could go for a walk in nature. You can meditate. Uh, Just go and have a conversation with someone. You can read. You can relax. You could listen to or play music. Now, in Mel's case, doing those last three, reading, relaxing, and playing music, all linked to her desire to crack open that book she mentioned and spend 45 minutes a day learning the piano. Now, we've all experienced the power of music, how it can change your mood and how you feel. According to an article by Psychology Today, they quote a list of 10 benefits of learning to play music, which includes uh, increasing the blood flow in your brain, uh, making your brain more, uh, improving the brain's plasticity, improved multi-sensory processing... They sound complicated to me, but um, I'm guessing what they're saying is that it makes your brain better at what you do. I'll put a link to the article, which also includes an interesting video from a a neuroscientist called Nina Krauss, on how deep-rooted the wiring in our brains is when it comes to music. So, Mel, the first benefit of making a priority for learning the piano, it'll improve your cognitive capacity. It'll help you get better at other things that you need to focus on. So, we talked there about the benefits of music, um, listening to music, and also importantly, learning to play music when it came to dedicating some time to ourselves. The same applies to reading. You know, there are loads of studies supporting the neurological benefits of spending time reading. Well, as well as doing something in the form of an actual activity to dedicate time to repairing ourselves, there's also what some people might consider the opposite, and that's doing nothing, or in other words, relaxing. Specifically, planning time to relax. Now, to some people, planning to relax sounds odd. And you might have noticed there that I said what some people might consider the opposite of an activity. But arguably, relaxing is an activity. So why don't we plan to do it? Well, we, you know, we assume that we can plan to do all the the things that need your energy and focus, don't we? And And then, obviously, the relaxation will come afterwards, you know, it'll just happen on its own. But, um... Uh, you know, I'm not so sure that that's the case. And if we don't plan to do it, isn't it often the thing that then doesn't happen? Now, there's a huge amount of comment on the benefits of relaxing online. And I'm always wary of some of what I come across. You know, whatever you Google, there'll be something out there somewhere which um, which says exactly what you've Googled. I'm sure you can do your own research on on why you should relax. And ultimately, if you're not convinced of the benefits, then um, tell me that, that you've never felt like you need a holiday. But I talked about relaxing as an activity. Research suggests that one of the best ways to relax is to meditate. Now, hang on there. If you're not someone who meditates regularly, please resist the temptation to skip, forward or turn off. There is a growing body of evidence that committing to a small period of meditation every day can have significant benefits to your mind, your cognitive capacity, your physiology, even your mental health. And you don't need to take my word for it. People like Tim Ferriss, Oprah Winfrey, Rupert Murdoch, Katy Perry and Steve Jobs, they're all quoted as describing the benefits that they find from meditating. If you're looking at it from an entirely secular and, and a non-spiritual perspective, just you know, thinking about the, the physical, practical benefits of meditating to your brain, a guy called Dan Harris went from being a drug-taking, fast-living co-anchor on ABC News to now spending time sharing the benefit of this form of me-time after he had a panic attack live on air and decided that it was time to change. Now Dan describes himself as a fidgety skeptic who learned the benefits of meditation and now he recommends it particularly to people who are allergic to woo-woo. Here's Dan talking about his experience on his podcast called 10% Happier. Hey, this is Dan Harris. I am a fidgety, skeptical newsman who had a panic attack live on Good Morning America. That led me to something I always thought was ridiculous, meditation. I wrote a book about it called 10% Happier, started an app, and now I'm launching this podcast to try to figure out whether there's anything beyond 10%. Basically, here's what I'm obsessed with. Can you be an ambitious person and still strive for enlightenment, whatever that means? I really do recommend listening to Dan's podcast, and I'll put a link, of course, in the show notes. Personally, I find committing to spending a few minutes each day just paying attention to what's going on in your mind can be significant in equipping you to deal with all the other stuff that life chucks at you. (music) To recap, we've been looking at the reasons why we should prioritise planning in some me time. For Mel, specifically, that was spending time reading her book for 45 minutes a day on learning to play the piano. Well, Mel, to start with, the benefits of improving your brain, developing your capacity to support others, and reducing stress seem to me like good reasons to plan it in. For everyone else, whether your version of downtime is simple relaxation, spending time on a hobby meditating, or just catching yourself coming back, we should treat it as a priority if we want to be there for other people, develop our capacity to grow and learn, and enable our minds to repair. So if you want to learn more, have a listen to the Good Life Project podcast and explore more in the links I'll provide. If you don't already, have a look at meditation, and the Dan Harris podcast is a great place to start. As always, the One You Feed podcast is also a cracking listen. If you just want to get some balance, get some time away from the things which seem urgent to focus on what's important. And don't forget that planning to spend time listening to any good quality podcast is also a great way to spend time on yourself, disconnected from the world, to relax, repair and think about what's important. Well, that's episode nine then. I hope that we've inspired you to look a little deeper into why you should consider planning to spend time on you. And maybe you'll choose to stick it in your calendar and make it happen. Next week, we'll look at some apps and some other online resource in this area. But for now, I'm off to spend 10 minutes meditating. But before I do, I'd just like to thank you ever so much for listening. We'd really appreciate it if you'd share this podcast on Twitter, rate us on iTunes, and tell your friends. You can contact me on the website, www.sharppodcast.com, on Twitter, at Sharppodcast, and now on Facebook at Sharp Podcast. You have a great week, and we'll see you when we're into double figures for episode 10. Bye-bye.